Welcome to Mind Your Own Karma, The Adoption Chronicles. I'm your host, Melissa Brunetti. In this second season of Mind Your Own Karma, we're tackling the subject of adoption. Yes, adoption most of the time is a wonderful experience. You have the generous birth parents, the excited adoptive parents, and this lucky little baby. Everyone lives happily ever after, right? But what I want you to know is there's so much more to these stories. I'm an adoptee myself, and I want to bring all sides of the adoption journey to you in hopes to educate you and to bring understanding to this subject. We're about to get real and raw here, so let's dive right in. Hey there, Karma Crew. It's Melissa Brunetti, your host of Mind Your Own Karma, The Adoption Chronicles, And today I have a guest, Desi, and she is going to talk about her journey in the foster care system, being adopted, and eventually trying to find her siblings that got lost during that process. I am putting out a trigger warning ahead of time. We are talking about a lot of trauma during this episode and some abuse, child abuse um, in particular. So you may not want to have young ears listening, or if you are at all triggered by that kind of content, you may want to listen with caution today. Here is Desi's story. So we're welcoming Desi to the show today. How are you doing, Desi? Doing all right. Good. So I know a little bit about your adoption story, and to me, it's very interesting because um, last week I had uh, Karina K. Phillips on the podcast and she's a trauma therapist and she's dealt with adoptees and also foster kids. So she was talking about some therapies and things. And I know you had quite a journey with that. So um, I know you were placed in foster care before being adopted. So can you tell us why you and your siblings were placed in the foster care system to begin with? Yeah. So my uh, brother and sister were twins. They were six weeks old. Uh, my birth mom had a lot of, um, she was deemed mentally impaired back they back then they used to call it mentally retarded, but they don't use that term anymore. Um, she was also using drugs as well. Um, well, anyways, when they were six weeks old, she took my sister, Darla, by her feet and threw her against the wall and she ended up having cranial bleeding in, inside of her brain as what they said in the report, what a grown person would have by being in a car crash. Wow. Um, they, she also broke um, my brother, twisted my brother's leg and broke his femur. And he also had six broken ribs and Darla had five broken ribs. So CPS came in at that point, somebody reported or what happened? Um, so that day they actually were, my birth father and mother took all three of us to my grandmother's, which was about an hour and 45 minute drive from where we were currently residing. And when they got to her house, they, she immediately said, you need to take these babies and go get them medical care. Don't stay here, leave. And she is the one who called CPS because when they got home, they did not take them to seek medical um, help. Um, so later, um, I think it was a day or so later, they ended up co- uh, take, calling the 911 and my birth mother was arrested. They took both, 
took all three of us because mainly Darla because she was having seizures. Um, she was shaking really bad. Um, so they took her first to um, the hospital, examined her. Then the police were called because the doctor called CPS also. And so then they came and examined both me. I was 15 months. So they came and examined me and my brother. And when they examined my brother at the house, they couldn't even touch his leg without him crying. Now, had they done anything to you? Um, she had done um, physical abuse to me as well as I'd be in my crib. She slapped me across the face, but not to so much as what my brother and sister had to go through. Like, when I was given the report, I couldn't even read it for a good two years. I, I, I just couldn't. It was just too hard. Where was your father during all that? Um, my father claimed that he was out looking for work, but it's more of a he say, she say situation for me because no one else was in that situation there when it happened besides my birth mom and my birth father. In the report, it states that my birth father calls the police after like my birth mom had, um, called 911 and all that. It states that he calls the police during this investigation and tells them my birth mom's name was Michelle says Michelle just um admitted to me that she abused the baby and it's just he was never charged with anything and it just it's it's frustrating to me that my sister not only died at an early age they were both born normal and yet my brother is still out there living with a very bad disability that he would not have had if that hadn't happened. What did what did they offer to him as, as a lifelong disability? You know, but I don't know how to do how to deal with that part. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it all. Do you remember the foster care system? What it was like? I do. Um, I was in a lot of bad homes. Um, I was sexually assaulted. I was molested. Um, the last home before my final foster placement was a boys' home, and they were all adolescents in that home. I was three. You, and you remember yeah, some of that? I, I do. I do. It was it, it was frightening, and to this day, I get really scared being by myself at home alone. I cannot go one night barely and being by myself. If I were, I, I'm not living with my adopted mom because she's older now and needs help, but I have lived on my own. Most of the time when I was living on my own, I had call friends and had them come stay the night because I was too scared to be by myself. Did your parents like try and get you guys back at all or what happened with them or did they did they go to jail? What no. Um, so Michelle went to jail. Um, I am trying to figure out how to find out like how much time she actually spent in jail. Um, it was actually in the paper, but my calculations, just my calculations alone, she spent less than three years in jail because she had her next child in 19. 19- 89 and this happened in 84 and the court trial you know went on for a year or so so if you do you know calculations she spent less than three years in prison for basically almost murdering two children 
How old were you when you were finally adopted? I was five. And was that one of, from one of your foster homes? That was, yeah, that was, so the last foster home was actually out of the county that I was um, living in. They transferred me into another county about an hour away. Um, It was a great home. I was raised by a great family, but for me, it was just all these years growing up, not knowing who my blood was, not knowing my culture, because I'm Mexican and Hispanic and Native American. Like, I don't know all of that. Like, I have since found, you know, some of my uh, birth mom, well, all my birth mom's family, I have found them. And, you know, they've invited me to events and family stuff. But it's just like, I sometimes feel uncomfortable because it's like, I I don't speak Mexican. I, I myself don't drink. (laughs) So it's like, you know, that's part of their culture. I was raised LDS. I'm no longer living that religion. I, you know, was kind of felt forced into that religion because of it was the adoptive family's religion. Right. But I since have become myself on that I'm like no I'm gonna seek out religion myself <laughs> right. um but yeah no I had I had a great great family growing up um they actually adopted five kids um from four different families you got split up from your siblings then yes yes um I actually found the family that adopted Darla they took her home from the hospital when she was released uh, they were a special needs uh foster home and later found out that after I had found them that they had neglected her medical needs and she wasn't going to school, even though she had a disability, she still had to go to school for three years. So CPS took her away from them. They, when I met them last year, now mind you, Darla died in 2011. When I found them in 2020, they had not, they did not know she had even died. Wow. She was put into a foster home for special needs, and she was in that home for primarily her entire life after that. So she was 10 when she was taken um, from that home. And then when she was, I believe, 16, they put her, no, she was 19 when they put her in a home for adults with disabilities, and she was cared in a state home and she uh when she got um so she ended up getting pneumonia and they put her in hospice and it was like I went and saw the place that they put her in and I was like I wouldn't have money myself to pay for that for myself (laughs) (laughs) if it were me like it was a it was paid by the state and you know she had great care and I actually ended up um contacting the state agency which we're in California so it was a regional center and they actually signed away I had to give them my um my paperwork my birth certificate my because I have a copy of my original birth certificate so I had to give them a copy of that copy of uh, my amended birth certificate because the numbers don't change so once I gave them that they approved it and they gave me they released her ashes to me they had they had placed her in um in a cemetery uh, in the area she was in, okay. which was about an hour and a half away from where I currently live. Um, and I had gone and visited a few times once I found her. And it was just, 
it, it was, I don't know, I, the day that I got them, it's just like, I like, it was a hurt cry, like, I'm finally back with her, but I'm so sorry, like, this even had had to have happened, like, it shouldn't have happened. Right, so, but she was separated from her twin brother then. Yes, and the thing with that is, so, I was three when I was placed in my final foster home and the rights had been relinquished at that point. But because I I had gone through 15 foster homes prior to that. So the state wanted me to be placed with them to see if it was going to be a good placement. And so they said, okay, two years and then she can be up for adoption. So they kept me for two years. Well, when they were getting ready to actually adopt me, they asked, are they, you know, where are her siblings? Does she have any siblings? They said, oh, they've all been adopted out. At that point, my brother was still in foster care. My brother Daniel was still in foster care. And they lied to my parents and said that they had all been adopted out. Wow. Like, we could have, you know, we, we could have grown up together. Like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I've heard so many stories like that. And even my own story, they you know, lies all over the place. But you so you oh, were yeah. in 15 different foster home families. Were they just not a good fit? Like, why so many in the um, time? I, I was um, very active as a child. I have autism. I also have ADD and ADHD. And it was a lot of I also have what they call reactive attachment disorder. So I don't because of being thrown away all those times at different homes and put in different homes, I didn't attach to a, a specific caregiver. So, I mean, I, I assume that that's, you know, a lot of it. I, I just was very active and no one could really control me. I would run when I was three and a half in this foster home. They took me to go get blood work and I ran through the hospital. The security couldn't even catch me. <laughs> but it sounds like your adopted family was a, a good experience it, it was it and uh, my adopted mom had a lot of experience with special needs also um she was a, an instructional assistant in special ed school age group um so she had that experience which it was a great fit my mom and I get along great we have the best relationship what really was hard was Five years after I was adopted, my dad got diagnosed with cancer and passed away two years later. So seven years after I was adopted, I lost my dad. Wow. My only, uh, like only father figure I had had my entire life. And then your mom and had five that, kids. That's been hard. Yes, she had five kids at home. And she has, I mean, she's a warrior. Like she had went through a lot with all of us kids like we each had our own you know own traumas that we you know we're still dealing with Definitely. with you know being in foster care and all that so yeah she she deserves a gold medal for life <laughs> so d you didn't find out what happened to your siblings till you got older then right right when I so when I turned 18 I immediately started searching I contacted the uh, foster agent, or not the foster agency, I contacted the um, the state welfare office, and they said that 
they couldn't give me any information because they were still minors because we were a year younger. And I said, okay, well, when, okay, the next year, can I call back and get information on them? No, you can't because you have, you both have to be 21 because it's a CPS case. I'm like, okay. So when I, when they turned 21, so I was 22, I called back and they said, you have to sign relinquish rights to be able to be contacted. I'm like, but you don't understand. I was like, because we were always, I was always told that they were disabled and didn't, you know, wouldn't be right in the mind to even be able to do that. They would probably be in some type of institution. We were always told that. And so I called them back and I was like, you don't understand. They're not going to be able to do that. And I said, unless they have a conservator or someone who is power of attorney over them, you know, they're not going to do that. And they kept ringing me around the circles call this person, call this person, call that person. I just, I, it was a fight with the state. And finally, I just gave up with the state. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to turn to search angels, turn to search angels. They would find dead ends. They could always find an adoption record for Darla, but they could never find one for my brother, Daniel. Come to find out he was never legally adopted. The family that took him in took him in as a child, as a foster child. Well, when he aged out, they just kept him as part of their family. They never adopted him. Oh, wow. And yeah, so the, when I, so I actually met, found him 38 years later to the exact day when we were separated, I found him. Oh my God. And yeah, he, I actually just went out and met him and his family about two and a half weeks ago. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a, a big journey to do by myself Right, <laughs> and I had to fly to another state. So yeah, that was, that was big. So um, but, search angels helped you find him? Uh, search angel, after search angel, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how many I went through, you know, but there was this one that, I, and you know, I can't disclose who it was cause it's, she does a part for her job. So she doesn't want to be, you know, yeah. have that information out there, which right. I respect that. Um, but yeah, she uh, she had access and she was like, no, this is him. And she looked them up on Facebook and she's like, he's part of their life. Like, this is him. So I did my my little investigation on this thing where you can get phone numbers. It's called truepeople.com. You can find anyone's phone number. So I put the name in, put the state in, and the phone number popped up. I texted her. No, first I uh, Facebook messaged her, and she never responded, never responded. I was too impatient. I was like, you know, I'm just going to text her. So I texted her, and I said, do you have anyone by the name of Daniel in your care? And she said, yes, I'm at work. I will call you tonight. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the rest was history. Wow. And so they were totally open to having you come out and... Oh yeah, they've been they've been wondering what happened to any of his family, like, and they were wondering, you know, one day are they going to come try looking for him? Like, I honestly started looking when I was sixteen, but legally I couldn't do anything. Right, and I said, you know, I, this has been, you know, a very long search. I always wondered what happened to him, and I always prepared myself for him to not be cared and loved for for him to be just lying in a, in a bed in an institution. Mm-hmm. I said so it. It it really mends my heart to know that someone truly cared for him and loved him as much as you guys did. Wow, that's so great. So 
You also mentioned that your mom had another daughter, so half sister or full sister younger than yeah. So she's actually older. Um, so she was. So my mom and my my dad went through Reno to get married, and they met a guy at a rest stop, and they just gave my sister away to him. Never went back, and she was never adopted. She's had. Her and I have a semi-okay relationship. I've found her, but she's been, you know, in and out of prison and out of jail. Her own two kids were taken by CPS and given away for adoption or with, you know, their their father's family. So, you know, that's another thing for her. But, yeah, she's she's had so much trauma. And the day that she turned 18 the foster care system threw her out on the streets and gave her 50 bucks and told her to go good luck in life i was like how can anyone do that like i mentally and emotionally was not ready to leave my home when i was 18 (laughs) your parents gave her to some stranger and he took her to the foster He, he took her to um yeah he took her to the state agency or state um child welfare services yeah she was never adopted. Nope. No. How old was she when um, they did that? She was five. Okay. Wow. Well, yeah. So she remembers. She remembers yeah. her parents and probably went through a lot. She, uh, she, yeah, she, she kind of semi remembers. Um, but I can see a lot of when I talk to her, I can see, I, I don't know if it's part of because she's been in prison and she has had that life. Or if it's because it's part of what our mom's disability was, but I can see some of that in her. So I don't think she, I don't think she truly remembers what really happened. I, I, you know, I know she's had trauma. I know that, you know, and I'm not, I won't ever deny that, but yeah, she's had a very hard life and she a lot of times wants to commit suicide because she doesn't feel like she's ever going to be loved. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't even fathom to understand not, I mean, I was lucky. I was very, very, very lucky to have a family that adopted me and loved me the majority of my life, you know, 90% of my life already. I can't even fathom being 40, almost 46 years old, no, 40, almost 45 years old and still not feel that love. Don't, she's never been able to find her father. And so, you know, and our birth mom actually died. So it's just like her and I don't aren't able to go and ask her these answers, these questions, like what happened. So are you, know? you half sisters? Yeah. yeah, so we're half sisters. So we share the same mom. Okay. Wow. That's so sad. Yeah. So any it other is. siblings out there that you know of? <laughs> I mean So yeah, actually, um, so my mom had two more boy two more kids after us. Um, were all taken away. Um, so my brother Jack was born in 87, yeah, 87. And then my brother Richard was born in 89. So they were, so my, I found my mom's sisters. One of my mom's sisters actually went with her to try to get her help. And they didn't know anything that had happened to me or the twins or even Lori. Lori was, my that's my older half-sister, was primarily raised by 
my grandma until my mom met my dad. And when my mom met my dad and moved in with my dad and got married, they took Lori away from my grandma. Um, so they knew and raised her for four years. Um, so they were at a loss with what happened to her mainly, but yeah, they didn't know what happened to us. All of a sudden, Michelle just popped out, didn't even contact them, didn't know what happened. All the time they thought that me and the twins were living with our dad. Well, when my aunt took my mom to, this was probably early 1992, 93, took her to the child welfare services to get her help with the boys explain like look she has a mental disability she needs help she needs some programs she can get into the state handed my aunt the court papers of what happened to my sister and my brother and my aunt wanted to beat the living crap out of her like she's like it took everything for me not to touch her Mm -hmm. I was like I don't know if I could have handled not doing that how did you find out about the younger two Oh, the younger, younger two. The younger last ones, two. yeah. My aunt, last okay, when when I, okay, I thought you meant about the twins. Um, When I met my aunt, she told me about them. Okay. And so I found my aunt back in 2012, and she lives less than 20 minutes from where I live and have grown up my entire life. Oh, wow. You mean with your adopted um, family? Another, yeah, yeah. So she lives about 20 minutes um up north or um south from where I live um what the funny story is I so I used to go to the college out here and I'd ride the bus and the one bus stop I had always I had a switch I would always switch it was right in front of where her work was (laughs) right in front of it I was like I guarantee you we've run into each other at some point probably (laughs) she's like oh oh I I I I imagine we have so your little, the youngest two, um, who who had them? So the state got care of them, but then, or took them in, uh, CPS. Mm-hmm. But at some point, they got them back, and then they moved up to Arizona. Who got them back? Uh, Michelle and her new husband got them oh, back. Wow. So they yeah, were raised so- by her? Yep. And when I found him, um, one of them, so one of them is very, very badly disabled, just like my mom. But the other one I found was, uh, kind of, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it was just, he went disappearing. He didn't want to accept the found. And I told him, like, I was like, look, I don't want to talk about what happened to, you know, why I was taken. I don't want to explain that over the phone. That's not something to explain over a phone conversation. Yeah. That's something to talk about in person. Right. Well, he he didn't want to meet in person, didn't want to meet in person. And then finally, I was like, okay, well, if you don't want to meet in person, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. And so I told him and he flipped out on me and was like, she would never have done that. That's not true. And I was like, there's even reports of you being abused. And I was like, you know. I don't know if it brought up triggers for him or what, which it seems like it had to have been a trigger. Yeah. But, you know, which I can't imagine, you know, and, you know, since she has died, you know, I, I don't see him being able to like be emotionally okay. So I don't know. 
um yeah so I cut that that like meeting up with him I, I cut that all off because the whole thing was really weird and his wife was kind of they had a child abuse a case against them themselves so oh, it's just I didn't want yeah I I just I couldn't go and see that happening like another cycle and I just I couldn't do it yeah you know, so you never did see your for my well-being <clears throat> no nope I know where my birth father is. I, my best friend and I went to his house. We showed up at his house and I didn't tell him who I was, but I said, are you so-and-so? He yelled at me. He's like, nope. And I was like, well, does he live here? Nope. And slammed the door in my face. And I could see, it was like, I don't know if you know what those like security doors are, Mm -hmm. the security screens. Well, so he had one of those and I could just see of a shadow of a wheelchair. So it's like, that's the only address that I could that anyone can even find for him it's like I know he's there I know that that was him there's no doubt about it but I'm not gonna put my mental health and and keep getting disappointed you know if he doesn't want a relationship if he doesn't want to own up to know that and there's some reason why he's running away from the law or anyone who comes questioning him still to this day there's a reason for that and i don't need to know that i've had a great life i don't need to know who he is yeah so tell us more about your meeting with the brother that just happened recently oh so that it was really amazing so he has um disability which his brain is his ability to understand is more of a three to five year old Mm -hmm. so that's as much as he can understand Mm-hmm. Um, so his, he still calls the lady that raised him his mom. Cause that's the only mom he's ever known. But yeah, yeah so he, um, he planned that I was only there for a weekend because I did, we didn't want to overstimulate him either. Right. So I only went for a weekend and he planned the entire weekend of where we wanted to go, where he wanted us to go. He wanted to take us to his favorite place in the world, which was their family cabin. So I'm very lucky that I took some hiking clothes because I would have been like, I wouldn't have wanted to wear my good clothes in a cabin hiking and camping. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, So he, but he understands like the whole, you're his sister and he gets it. He understands that. Yeah. He, he understands he grew in somewhere else's belly and he has always known that he had another sister and they didn't even they didn't actually didn't know about me they only knew about twin they didn't know he had an older sister as well okay so they always dreamed of him of his twin sibling coming and finding him yeah but yeah he has he does have a lot of triggers and things that cause him to have what they call behavior issues but and he has a lot of trauma from from just he he was abused very badly in foster care, worse than I was. And I can't even imagine not understanding at that point of what is going on. Yeah. I mean, I I understood what was going on kind of, you know, but it's just yeah, it it saddens me how the foster how broken it is. Like they just put these children with families they don't do background checks they don't go and check on them yes they are so overworked that their caseloads are are horrendously over overpiled but it needs to be done better there there needs to be a better system for these children because a lot of these children 
don't ask to be abused. Well, none of them ask to be abused. You know, some of them just can't physically care for their children. And it's just like, it still boggles my mind to this day. You know, it's still happening. And we're here in 2022. Like, how? Why? Like, there's, I mean, I see children every day that I see reports that are died in foster care. And it sickens my mind. Just sickens me. It, it it guts my stomach every single time I hear another child dying. Yeah, it does definitely need to be re- to be reformed. Um, and yeah. even the adoption care system, it's just turned into a money maker for a lot of agencies and and things. And and nobody's thinking about the children. You know. No, I, I saw a post on TikTok. Someone wanting forty thousand. $40,000 to adopt a baby. I actually commented, I'm like, you are sick to ask that kind of money to adopt a child. If you really want to adopt a child, it shouldn't cost you that amount of money. Yeah, I, I you Googled be it recently. It you, they said it was forty between forty and 70000 depending on if you needed a lawyer or not, to adopt a child. Wow. It, that's ridiculous. It, it's It's disgusting. Yeah. So how did your adoptive mom feel about you trying to find your biological family? Um, at first, she was very apprehensive just because she she knew the situation, what happened. She knew about the abuse and she didn't want me to get physically or emotionally more hurt than I already was, which I wasn't understanding that aspect of it at the time. I was like, just thinking you're crazy this is my bloodline I need to go find them I don't care yeah. you know I was still you know very young when I started my search or wanting to search and so but over the years she has accepted it and she um she understands why she you know I we've had a lot of conversations and when we were younger she always told us when you're 35 I will give you all of your records and I will bless your search. So I'm now, (laughs) yeah, she wanted us all to be emotionally stable to understand. He wanted us to be, you know, set in our life, you know, wanting us to be married or whatever. I'm not married. I'm not going to ever get married. I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And to have children you know be have our family and all that and for me I've never because of all the horror stories I've heard I've never wanted to even have a child and I was like you know I don't want I I was too scared I didn't know the whole situation and I didn't want to pass down anything to my children from what I was told or what I thought was being told to me yeah. So I made that decision early in life. Okay, I'm not going to go out purposely and try to have a child. Yeah. So I'm like, if it happens, it happens, you know, but, you know, has never happened. So yeah. obviously there's a reason for that. I, um, um, I understand, like, you're wanting to, you know, I understand both sides, like your mom wanting you to wait and be a little more mature and also you wanting to just, you know, find find out, where they're at as soon as possible. Cause I mean, I kind of did the same thing and then 
without kind of thinking ahead to once I find these people, where are they going to fit into my life? You know, because I already had a mom and I already had a dad. So when I find my biological mom and dad, where are they going to fit into the whole picture? You know, I didn't think about, I didn't think that far ahead. Right. Which kind of, you know, got a a little Yeah, I think a lot of it for me too was my mom, well, first off, you know, my only dad that I've ever known died. You know, I've not had that father figure other than my brothers. Yeah. And I think that was, you know, a big issue also. But another issue was I've always been scared the last 20 years of my life. My mom's been on and off chemo um, and seeing her going through health issues and not knowing how or when she's going to end up dying, being the one stuck out here. Well, I don't have anyone now, you know, feeling that way. Yeah. You know, I know that's not true now, but right. just feeling that way. I still sometimes feel that way. And wanting to reach out back to my bloodline. Well, at least I have them to lean on, you know. At least they won't ever let me be, you know, alone or anything like that. Well, it's not always true that way. Yeah. They all we all have very busy lives. And, you know, my biological family on my mom's side are my cousins are amazing. Like they'll invite me to their weddings, they'll invite me to their kids' birthday parties. Like I'm a very well big part of that but sometimes I feel like I said earlier I feel kind of like a black sheep there kind of like I don't belong because Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in that you know so you didn't never really had that belonging I know a lot of people that are adopted when they find their biological families they feel like that's they're finally their puzzle piece is finally fitting into the puzzle finally but you don't really feel that I haven't felt that yet no I did feel that with when I met my brother. I felt that. Oh, like good. I felt like, wow, I, you know, finally found my true blood. Like, I mean, I the whole time I was there, I wanted to do something with him every single minute. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I didn't want to leave his side. Are you able to talk to him on the phone or like on a regular basis now? And- yeah, so don't do a regular just because of overstimulating him and he has issues when, you know, so we so we've set it up for twice a month for now just Mm -hmm. because you know he has a lot of triggers and we just yeah and so just kind of low-keying it for now it was a lot for him and they also had a lot of family stuff going on prior to me coming so I I can't imagine all of you know I all of those different things and then oh this is your biological sister you know coming in the picture and I just you know don't want to have that affect him I want him to take it easy and slowly and be as positive as it can be I don't want it to be a negative thing for him this foster family that's caring for him there's no um you know worry that they're gonna they want to keep him I I sometimes worry about that just by one of our conversations um because I, you know, was talking about him coming out to California because it was very expensive for me to go out there. It was, I paid $600 for my airline ticket. Yeah, right <laughs> it's crazy. I'm on, I, I'm on fixed income myself. Like, I don't have that kind of money. Right. You know, and I was like trying to hint, like, you know, I think you guys should come out to California. You know, I don't live too far from San Francisco and all this and that. Well, his quote unquote mom pulled me aside and said, well, you don't understand it takes a lot for us to do that you know his day program won't get paid and they have a you know a fight about that or 
you know, I have to get it approved through the state to take him out of state. And I'm like thinking, well, I understand that, but you legally aren't his mother. (laughs) Right. You know? Yeah. And and that's my mindset thinking. Yeah. I I don't either. I haven't even, I haven't even gone on that. I didn't even, legal parents. I don't know what, what. Yeah, hoops they have to jump. I know, she, I know she, I know she is his legal guardian. I know that. Okay. Um, but I don't want to fight on any of that yeah. because yeah. it's taken me so long to just. You don't get want to jeopardize to, with... to where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That you have now. I was very cautious of what I would. I don't want to say or do anything to offend them to say, "Oh, you can never come back." You know. Yeah. Which. She didn't say that. She said, you know, you come in his life. You cannot leave now. You are a part of his life. <laughs> well, that's good. So she did make sure, you know, make and, sure to tell me that. I was yeah, like, I don't plan like, on leaving out of his life. Seems like they took good care of him. So that's a good thing. Oh, too. yeah. Yeah. He's, he's gone to uh, Switzerland. Oh, dang. And he's backpacked through Switzerland. I'm like, I wasn't that lucky. <laughs> I didn't get to go to Switzerland. Right. Like, you want to take me next time? I know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but he he's very loved, and yeah. you know he he's he he's he's great. He made me all these little uh, things that he makes at his day program because he's yeah. in a day program Monday through Friday, and you know it's it, it's it was just cute. <laughs> so so is there. Anything that I'm not asking you about the foster care system or anything that um, that you want to talk about? I just want everyone to know, don't ever give up on your search. Don't don't ever think, oh, I'm never going to find my brother or I'm never going to find my mom or whatever. Whoever you're looking for, don't give up because I wanted to give up so many times, but I kept searching and searching and searching. And you know, I am very lucky to have found him. Unfortunately, I did find Darla passed away. I wish I could have found her sooner. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's always a reason for what happens when it happens. I don't think I would have been emotionally ready to have been able to see my sister lying there in a hospital bed or a care home bed, just basically a vegetable. You know, I don't think I would have at that time when she was alive, I would I know for a fact I wouldn't have been able to process that and not accept it, but be able to understand that that's what happened and that's how she was and be able to be okay with it. Like there's a reason why I didn't find her alive. Yeah. Well, so many like sad stories in there, but you know, now there's a happy one. You found your brother and Hopefully that's yeah. Yeah, I I hope it does. You know, and it's just you know, only time will tell. You know, we're still early in the relationship. You know, learning how we both are and how he can process. You know, and that's a big thing. We want him to be able to process happy and and nothing. You know, trauma wise, we don't want to bring that up when you talk again. Or does he remember who you are? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he remembers, oh, and every single time up to me coming, he wanted me to come and visit him right then and there the day I, the first video appointment we had with him. <laughs> I was like, no, can't come right now. I can't yeah, really right. plan. It's ten o'clock. It's, it's like nine. It's like nine o'clock my time. It's, it's yeah. late. I can't just jump on an airplane. I yeah. was like, we had to schedule it, you know. And so, you know, we would talk 
you know, at the first time we talked for like three hours and that oh, was yeah. way too much for him. And so after the second video appointment, we put it back to 30 minutes each time. Yeah. And that's, because that's all he could. Yeah. That's all he can sit and handle. He gets anxiety really, really bad. And, and so we just have to, like I told her, his care person is like I want to make this as easy as possible for him I don't want it to be a bad a bad thing for him and if that means doing it only twice a month then so be it you know we want this process easy for him not a trigger or a trauma for him right so yeah it's it's been pretty good you know since I've got back you know I I now have family stuff going on here they have stuff going there so we haven't been able to really connect Mm -hmm. we also wanted him to be able to process all my visit and all that was going on he's had a couple of hard weeks that day program with behavior things going on and kind of outbursts so we're kind of letting him be low-key for now yeah and uh after like the holiday so I have family units coming up next weekend so I told her I was like let's do this in like uh, like two weeks because I need time to have that and you know time to you know recoup from all that and I work and take care of my mom I was like there's a lot going on yeah hopefully (laughs) well thank you so much for sharing your story there's just so much there like I said um, oh yeah with the foster and the adoption you know it's and just the trauma of being taken from your parents whether it was because of violence or not, you're still being taken from your mother and your father. And it, that's traumatizing. In yeah. Itself. And, and that was, and the thing that I, that questioned my mind was they never went to my birth mom's family, asked if they could take any of us kids in. Yeah. Like that's my thing. They ripped us away from our, our bloodline, our culture, like everything. Like, they don't even try. They just based on, on what she said, oh, they're all drug addicts. When they're not, mm. they're, none of them are drug addicts. So it's like, yeah, that that part I didn't quite understand. But again, I was like, okay, things happen for a reason. Yeah. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe back then there was something that would have happened if I had been placed with them. You know, we don't know. Right. So yeah. there's no use in looking back and being Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Thanks for coming on and telling your story. Oh yeah. Yeah. If anyone has, yeah. If anyone has any questions or or questions about searching, they can feel free to send me a message on Facebook or whatever. You know, I'm more than open to to help anyone. And what is your um, name on Facebook? It's under Desi Varney. Okay. And I can put that in the show notes in case. Yeah. To get in touch with you. And, and you know, if they message you or anything, you're more than more than free to share my email with them as well. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, thanks for. Coming. All right. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. What a strong woman Desi was. I mean, not only having to deal with her own trauma, but also having to deal with being separated from her siblings. And then having to find them and finding out that her sister had died and then just being persistent in the pursuit to find her brother and finding him and just trying to be a part of his life in a healthy way. It's just so much, so much to digest. And 
I know the story was a little heavy today, but also there was some joy in there. And just that Desi is such a resilient woman and a survivor and a warrior, and now an advocate for her brother and adoption and the foster care system and just how broken it is. I just hear in her voice that she's going to make a difference. She's going to make a difference for not only her story, but other people's stories to come. And that is the reason I'm doing this podcast, trying to bring awareness to these stories in hopes of saving children and helping them through their trauma of being in the foster care system and just even just being adopted. That education to all three sides, the adoptive parents, the biological parents, and the child. We have to start realizing that even though a lot of these children don't remember the trauma of being taken from their biological family, it is there. And how can we alleviate that? How can we help these children? Because adoption is a wonderful thing. It really is most of the time. And these parents that take these children need to be educated in how to help them, how to allow them to talk about their experiences, their emotions, their pain, without feeling like it's a taboo subject. And to be honest, the adoptive parents really have a tough job. But through a page that I belong to on Facebook, I found a really good resource for birth parents, adoptees, and the adoptive family. If you are needing some help, the National Council for Adoption, or the NCFA, is a great resource. So if you are struggling with an adoptive child or just struggling with your own issues through that process of adopting or giving up your child for adoption, they have a lot of resources for you. So go check that out. I will put the link in the show notes. The second group that I found on Facebook that is um, good for adoptees that are searching for loved ones, it's called Adoption Search and Reunion. And that group has a lot of resources and a lot of people on there willing to help. They have search angels that are willing to help you try and find your loved ones. So that is also a great page, and I will put that in the show notes as well. And just a reminder, if you have an adoption story to share, please DM me, find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, My email is mindyourownkarma at gmail.com. Get in touch with me and I will have you on the show. And if you think that this is an important topic, it really, really helps if you go on to the platform that you listen to and share the episode or rate the episode and leave a comment about the episode or the podcast as a whole, it really does help get the word out about the podcast. So if you could do that for me, I would really appreciate that. As always, take what you need and leave what you don't. And always remember to mind your own karma. I'll see you next time.